Welcome to the North Florida Wrestling Show's Open Mat Discussion. On this episode, we have Jason Westlager and Zachary Deaton talking the Not Playing Janes, Spartan Nationals, Fawa States, and what we can do to grow freestyle and Greco wrestling in North Florida and the Panhandle. Let us know your thoughts after the show. All right, Jason, let's go ahead and start with you and talk about the Not Playing Janes and their performance there um, down in Tampa. Yeah, so we put together a little girls-only dual team, something we've never done before or me personally have an experience with, putting together a team and you know going out there and competing and stuff. But it turned out really well. We ended up fourth overall out of, our, uh, out of the entire tournament. We ended second in our pool and then the crossover they did third and fourth place was just one match um initially i think they were going to do top two from each pool you know 1a versus 2b 2a versus 1b and then wrestle it into the finals but they ended up just giving us the uh other second placer the way it played out we wrestled rpa which is riot performance academy out of jacksonville we had that was our first one of the day, and it ended up being the pool final essentially because you know we were both uh, undefeated aside from that match in our pool. We lost to them sixty-two to fifty-three, uh, really really tight match. But what was interesting about it, and something I've never really had much experience with, was we started out fifty-three to six. So our girls up to about one hundred and ten pounds just kind of ran the table. Uh, pin after tech after pin. It, it was really impressive to watch. And it just looked like we were going to run away with the duel. They were the three-time returning runner-ups, so we knew that that was going to be a tough one. And uh, our girls early answered the challenge. And then, you know, as we got up into the 120 range and whatnot, momentum just kind of shifted the other way on us. We we have a lot of tough girls in that uh, in that range between <clears throat> 120 and, and heavyweight. But they're also extremely riot. That is, is extremely talented there, and they just kind of caught momentum and caught pin after pin after you know close match. It would be one nothing them, and it turned into a pin. And so we ended up losing that duel, which ended up being you know the de facto pool final. But our next one, we wrestled South Dade, who had a pretty uh, pretty loaded team. That one ended seventy one to forty for us. Uh, they did have a couple forfeits throughout, but really happy with the way that the team wrestled in that one, just given that South Dade is such a huge name around the state of Florida. Uh, so it was nice to get the, get the win there. And then we wrestled Phoenix Blue, which was a really uh, kind of different – it was a close match, but it was different than the initial RPA match in that it was just back and forth. You know, we would we would get a decision, they would get a pin, we would get a pin, they would get two tech falls, and it just kind of went all the way up the lineup where it was close. And I think our 165-pounder closed it out for us with a real close win there. Um, so it was nice to get that one. That finished us second in the pool. And then we caught Phoenix Black, who was kind of the, the Phoenix A team, if you will. And they were absolute hammers. They wrestled extremely well throughout the whole lineup. I think we lost that one something like 70 to 35. Um even the ones we won were very close and well contested. They were very well coached and man, they were they were very tough. We wrestled really well throughout the whole event. I was, you know, for the first go at it, 
extremely pleased. Um, my biggest takeaway through, you know, kind of coaching this and organizing it and, and all of it is, well, really two things. Number one, how committed the parents are, especially of the girls' side. Um, they really, really stepped up, made sure all the kids got there, made sure everybody had what they needed. Uh, it, these national events and things are not cheap. Everybody, you know, stepped up and, and put a lot of money and time and effort out there for their kids to compete. And so that was really appreciated on the coaching side. Uh, as far as the girls and their, and, and, you know, how they wrestled, the biggest takeaway is the technique. You know, I, I've coached boys my entire life or, you know, up, up from 19 to I'm now 36. I've predominantly coached boys in the past five years. We've started getting girls into our club and, the biggest difference I've noticed between boys and girls is that girls obviously psychologically are, they mature quicker. So their brains develop faster. They kind of under, understand things a little bit better. Um, and so what you're seeing is this kind of, these girls that are kind of new to wrestling are picking up these advanced techniques quicker and not just picking them up in practice, but they're, they're doing them in these events. And, you know, so we had one eight year old, uh, do a duck under and catch a perfect suplex, perfect. Uh, the referee said afterwards that if that wasn't a five, I don't know what was. Um, we had tons of different, you know, bow and arrows and all, all these advanced techniques that take the boys a little bit longer to figure out. And we have eight and nine-year-old girls out there hitting them. So uh, that was my biggest takeaway is the technique on the girl side has rapidly, rapidly improved to the point where, they're, they're just really fun to coach because you give them some feedback afterwards and, you know, not that the boys aren't receptive to feedback, but the girls are not only receptive, but they're actively listening. And in their heads, you can see the wheels turning where they're trying to figure out how they can implement that as soon as their next match. So yeah, it was overall a really fun experience. We took fourth. We ended up uh, taking these really cool black medals home from Spartan. The, the girls were completely, extremely excited about it and uh you know it was a fun experience and i think we're going to run it back with not playing janes here in july we're going to do the uh deep south duels we will have predominantly the same girls on the team there will be a few mix uh, mix and match just because some people have other events that they're attending and uh you know taking off summers and all that stuff but for the most part we're going to have the same team and i'm excited to go back at it again Zach, did you want to say anything about the not playing chains? I know that you were uh, pretty impressed with them as well. Saying I was impressed by is kind of an understatement. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to be part of the coaching staff on that team. That was kind of a last-minute deal where, where Jason needed some help. Um, and I only knew one girl on the team, and that was a girl from our club that was wrestling for them. Um, but I figured out real quick that uh, you didn't have to know these girls to be able to coach them. They execute on anything that you said and they made mid-match adjustments uh, at a really high level um, there was one girl in particular that me and Jason were really impressed with with her shot adjustments throughout the three or four duels where she started off trying to finish shots on her knees and by the end of the day she was finishing on her feet and uh, get, getting take down where she wasn't you know at the beginning it was like you said the technique was in, was incredibly impressive Um my main takeaway with the not playing James was the toughness of these girls and not to say that a girl can't be tough, uh, but it's not, 
when I say tough, I'm not talking physical. I'm talking the mental toughness of these girls. Um, the way that they prepare for their, for their matches, the way that they, uh, execute their game plan, the way that they fight back when they're down. Uh, and, and there's not, there's not an ounce of quit in any of them. I was just, I was really impressed. I know there was, I think Jason said there was only seven or eight teams in the pool, but, uh, you know, every, every one of those seven or eight teams are, are loaded. And anytime you outplace a South Dade team, you've done something that even if the sport is badminton. So, um, I was really impressed. Uh, I just can't good about it. I hope that, hope that y'all do run it back, uh, over and over again. And anything I can do to support the not playing James, I'm definitely on board with that. Um, just can't say enough good things. Yeah, you know, on the toughness side, we had those of you out there that watch college wrestling. Tony Ramos is uh, dude who's famous for it was in Iowa, one thirty three, won a national title, but he was real famous for staring staring kids down across. You know, five minutes before his match, you find him out there mat side, and he's just death staring his opponent, and it was an intimidation thing, and it kind of just kind of became a thing over time where he was known for it. So I think he just kept doing it. But we have three or four girls on our team that emulated that perfectly this weekend where five minutes before the match, they found their opponent on the other side. And just that stare down made them know that it was about to be a war. And, uh, you know, they've developed their mean mug pretty good. And what's funny about it is off the mat, they're like the sweetest girls, really, you know, soft-spoken and whatever. But you... They're really good, these couple in particular that I'm thinking of, at really flipping that switch of like, you know, it's it's go time. It's business time. Let's turn on the face. And then, you know, we're on the sidelines playing with our teammates. We can be normal kids and, and have fun. But developing that mentality where you know you know when to flip that switch and why to flip that switch is, is good. And a lot of these girls have it at a really young age. Well, let's hear some names. Who were some standouts on the team? You know, I know that you guys sent down some, you know, really good kids, but you also had some greener kids that, um, you know, went out there and performed really well. Yeah, I got a list of who did what. So Stella Harper, who was one of uh, our grappling house girls, won our, we, we had a really cool pin chain. Our team dad, Dave Wesolowski, Bear's dad, bought this uh, really cool pin chain that we passed around. It almost looked like a Flavor Flav like a, a clock, like an oversized chain thing. And uh, so we passed it around every time a girl got a pin or a tech. And at the end, we gave it out to our most outstanding wrestler, who was Stella. She is from Thomasville and uh, travels down to Tallahassee and she comes up to our Thomasville location. But she went over the course of the duels and the individuals five or six and oh with six pins. So in the duel, she was 4-0 with four pins, and I don't think one got past the first period. Um, Mackenzie Astorino was Pennsylvania girl. She was 4-0 with four pins. Dixie Beasley is, I believe, a Tennessee girl. She was 4-0 with four pins. Um, Marley, Marley Dixon was 3-1 with three pins. Susanna Cheney, 3-1 with three pins. Carrie Wazlowski was three and one. Kendall Stompknocker Haney was two and two. And we had a slew of others win two matches. And, you know, it, so many kids contributed to this where 
we had a couple really big wins when we needed them the most from girls that that was their only win on the day and they just, you know, sucked it up. Um, Yuri Caceres from over my way also was uh, three and one on the day with three pins. She had a really big win against South Dade where she was, she kind of kicked it off for us because they had some forfeits early and she got up four nothing. Girl came all the way back and I think was beating her eight to four. You could tell she was very talented and, uh, Yuri reeled off six unanswered to make it 10 to eight. And then I think with like 10 seconds left, the girl injury defaulted. So essentially we got six there, but I, it was one that she, she probably would have held on to win, but that was uh she was really, really good for us in the middle of the weights there. She was our hundred pounder, but we had a lot of girls really contribute and do well. Jalen Middleton was also two and two on the day. Uh, you know, Zach was introduced to her, predominantly through the injuries that she suffered. But you want to talk about a girl that did it for the team and, and really wanted wanted to kind of exit the sport her best. So she tore her right shoulder last year. She was a blood rounder as a junior for Florida High and rehabbed all off season into the season. And she came back with like five weeks left in the season to make a run at the state tournament. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for her, but she decided that she wanted to get up, get up and try the Spartan team with us. And she messed up that shoulder again in the third match, and none of us would have blinked if she said, "Hey, I can't go." Um, probably preferred it with with her injury history, but she went and in her fourth match against Phoenix Black, she popped the other shoulder out. And, you know, she finished the match. She finished every single – she told the training staff, I'm good to go. I'm getting back out there. And, you know, it, complete grit, toughness, all of it. That girl's going places. I think that's going to be her last wrestling competition ever, but it's going to be a successful kid or a successful adult based upon the stuff yeah, I've just seen a, out of her. Just to touch on that, I, you know, I said I focus on mental toughness when I talk toughness, but – the physical toughness is not just her, but all these girls. Uh, there was girls that, I mean, if they did get thrown on our team, they were beating their opponents back to the center. Uh, you know, this girl that Jason's bringing up, like, like he said, I didn't know her before this event, uh, but quickly got to know her when her shoulder popped out, and I watched it get popped back in right there on the mat. I watched her finish the match, and then I was shocked when she came back out for the next duel. Uh, and then, sure enough, the other shoulder comes out. And, you know, I, I got to speak with their parents after the match. And obviously, as parents and coaches, it's like, hey, no more. Uh, but if you would have asked her, she was going again. Um, it, it's just, it's pretty incredible to watch. And, you know, I'm sure that her parents are just beside themselves that it happened. Um, and, and, you know, her dad made the comment, like, this is, this is it. I told her she shouldn't have done it. Um, and I, I would have said the same thing as a father. That just speaks to the character of the, the individual. But, you know, you're right. You know, it's a parent decision. But that sounds like a very, very tough individual. All right. So, yeah, I'm checking here on the North Florida map, man. And um, we got a lot of North Florida guys that did really well. Don't have time to name all of them. But um, what area wrestlers did, uh, did you see that did very well, um, Jason? So, I saw... I watched a good bit of the individuals and, you know, I'm going to focus on our kids, our grappling house kids here to, to start it off. But truly 
I saw a lot of not just Panhandle, but North Florida kids in general do extremely well. Uh, I think from Zach's team over at Bay, I think he's got a, a number of Fargo uh, kids that have qualified for Fargo. And I'll let him speak to that. But as far as our kids went, we're predominantly youth, so we're not at the Fargo qualifying stage yet because it's only cadets and juniors, which is 18U, 16U, which I don't know that we had many competitors even in those. Um, But for us, it was about getting the freestyle experience young so that when we do get to those age ranges and we're ready for those type of experiences, we're prepped and ready. So I was really happy. It was our first dip into freestyle. We had, as a club, never really uh, jumped into it, not because we don't love it as coaching staff, but just because there's not a ton of opportunity around here to compete in freestyle, which hopefully in the near future will change. But for our first dip, I was real happy. So we had, I'll go down the list here. On the folk style side, which was Friday night, we had a pair of champions. We had Weston Middleton finish first at the 10U, I believe he or he was 12U78. This is actually his actual weight class. So with him, he's been very, very close at a number of these big tournaments. Kid is an absolute hammer on top. He's getting so much better on his feet. Kid works so hard. We've pulled him up as a as an 11-year-old to our advanced high school class to the point where we're just trying to get him more more and more advanced things and you know more finishes from his feet and different uh different skill sets on top that we can't really provide in the youth class. So it was, it's nice to see him really uh, put it all together a little bit this tournament. And so he walked away with his first title, super excited for him. Kendall Haney also won folk style. She is a little bit more versed on the national scene where she was a third place at Adidas nationals a couple, a month or so ago. Um, She was also a freestyle runner up. She on the folk style side, pretty much dominated our way through. Those of you that know her know that she is extremely talented with riding legs on top. I don't know if there's a girl out there that she can't turn. Um, she probably picks top 80 or 90% of her matches, and uh, there's a good reason for that. So on the folk style side, she her closest match was in the finals, and it was a 6-1 to one win that was spent probably three three or four minutes on top. So she did extremely well there. On the freestyle side, she caught her final opponent, uh, the rematch. And I think the freestyle inexperience came to bite us a little bit. Uh, I think she actually got tech fault in that match, but it was very, very close. And she may have got hit with a leg lace that just kind of rolled it five times. And it was one of those real quick ones. But uh, she absolutely crushed it, as expected. Stella Harper, who we kind of spoke about on the dual side, went 2-0 and on the uh, Spartan National Championship side. So she's Georgia, and the way they ran this was you had to, because FAWA, uh, the Florida Amateur Wrestling Association, or USA Wrestling's acronym, because they separated it, they made Florida bracket and then they made an out-of-state bracket. So she won her out-of-state bracket, and then when she got to the f- crossover with the Florida champ, she got two two pretty quick pins there and uh, won a Spartan national title. 
We had a Harley Troyne finishes runner-up in freestyle. He had a couple really close matches that that uh, one went his way, and one unfortunately was we got hit with like a leg lace or or a trap arm gut. I can't remember exactly, but one of those ones that once you get one and you get that momentum, the other you know four turns are coming. So I, again, freestyle and experience, but man, he wrestled tough. Bill Cheney lost his first one to the eventual champ uh, in the 8U62 bracket, I believe. And he wrestled his way all the way back for third and got a nice uh, nice pin to, to cap off third place. Noah Vernon, who is a Wakulla kid, who's kind of just jumped in with the club in the last month or so, um, mainly because there's not a lot of freestyle and Greco options over where we live here in the Tallahassee area. And so he jumped in to train for Greco, and he ended up second, and he's going to be going to Fargo, which is a, uh, a really big deal to me personally just because I've seen what Fargo does for kids' progression over time. And it, it's really important, in my opinion, that we get as many kids from our team placed on the Fargo team as possible. And uh, so it was nice to see Noah get that. And then we had one more that – She's not one of our team members anymore, but I'm going to shout her out. She will be a not playing Jane at the next tournament. Confirmed this morning. She's going to wrestle 130 for us at the next go-round. But Donovan Reinhardt started with Grappling House about two years ago. Her first foray into wrestling, we taught her how to, te- to take a shot. We taught her how to sprawl, all of the pure basics. Uh, about a year into that, her family, her dad got a job over in Jacksonville, and she is now with Pontevedra who has a really good girls team. They are darn tough. And so she's continued learning. She's continued progressing. And uh, she was a folk style champ and a freestyle runner up. So she's also going to be going over to Fargo. Um, So I wanted to shout her out because I, uh, it it was nice to see that even though they left the area, they immediately seeked uh, wrestling in the new area and they found themselves a nice home over there at Pontevedra. So, it was cool getting to watch some of her matches and seeing how much more she's progressed in, in the year since she's left us. So congrats to her. And, yep, that was the extent of our kids. We had a pretty nice tournament. We didn't really wrestle much in the Greco side besides Noah, but on the freestyle side, we we made a lot of mistakes, which is to be expected, uh, especially with just a month of training before your first ever competition, which is the state tournament and Spartan national. But on the, on the plus side of all that, we, uh, we made a lot of good transitions where we were going from takedown right to, you know, leg laces and guts and all that stuff. Um, so it was nice to see. I have one more actually too, that place that, I can't believe I didn't mention. He's on my list here that I wrote down. Uh, Bear Weslowski won Bauer Freestyle, and he won the Spartan National title. So Bear has pretty much won every state title you can win this year. He, he won IOF State. He won the Georgia State Championship. Um, and then this is now his third of the year, the the Fowler Freestyle State title. He is 12U86. Um what I really liked from this tournament from him, he, he made some mistakes and, and him and I have kind of talked through what those mistakes were. But what I really liked from him was his finals opponent. He caught a kid that 
Unfortunately, he looked at the track wrestling profile beforehand, and he saw six-time state champ, four-time Dixie national finalist, which is one of the bigger youth ones. And you could just see on his face that he was a little bit, he probably shouldn't have looked at that beforehand. And so in my mind, I expected him to go out and be tentative. Right off the whistle, I was wrong. He attack, attack, attack. Uh, he took this kid down four times, um, got an eight nothing lead, or he took him down the third time. He got a takedown and then he got a, a right into a gut wrench to make it eight nothing at the break and uh, went back out. They, they slapped hands for the second and within 10 seconds, it was a tech fall with another nice shot. So, you know, the kid really, really stepped up and wrestled really hard. And in my mind, you're getting four takedowns. You're probably going to beat that kid in folk style as well, which is uh, really good for his progression. I think he needed that win, and it was really awesome to see him make that transition. And then so he cross-bracketed over to the Spartan, uh, to the out-of-state kid or the Spartan National Championship match, and he wrestled the representative from Team Puerto Rico. And uh, I think the first one was a first-period pin, real nice shot. And then the second one, I believe, was a takedown right into four leg laces and 30 seconds. He, he wrestled lights out, and I wanted to make sure I remembered to mention him. Well, Zach, how did your guys fare over there? All right, yeah. So um, talking individual results for the Coastline crew, um, Coastline took eight athletes that competed in the individual bracketed tournaments. Um, we had all eight of them compete on Friday in the Spartan National Folk Style side. Uh, I think there was five that medaled there. Um, Jimmy Branch, or excuse me, Garrett Pelt and Sarah Branch placed fourth. Jimmy Branch placed third. David Drake placed third. And Leo Sanchez placed second. Uh, those brackets were smaller. Um, they weren't very very big brackets, but they did have some quality in them. Uh, for instance, David Drake and, and Leo Sanchez both wrestled in the 120 bracket, and both of their losses came to the same three-time state champion, Tyler Washburn. So, um, you know, even though there wasn't a lot of people in the bracket, it was worth worth wrestling in that in that uh, tournament just, just so they could get that experience. Um, and then on the freestyle Greco side on Saturday and Sunday, we didn't have uh, any of the boys get through on the freestyle on Saturday. Sarah Branch did take fourth in the 14U girls. Uh, so, And then uh, had a couple boys get close on the freestyle but didn't quite punch through. Uh, had two kids of the boys in the 120 bracket, which I thought was an incredibly deep bracket. I think the two seed there was a, uh, the three-time state champ I just mentioned. The three seed was a two-time state champ. Uh, David Drake drew the fifth seed first round in that in that bracket and uh you know that's Cameron French was a two-time runner-up and got beat by him right off the gun so um you know good good deep brackets in those freestyle sides and then the same on the Greco I, I thought the turnout for Greco was really good we did have two two boys get through on the Greco side with Devin Bradshaw and Sean Sandage um and that's pretty that's a pretty big deal for us I know Bay County as a whole, um, I think Mosley took 11 boys and five girls, I think. And I think they had several of their girls get through. But I think they had two boys get through on the 16U freestyle division. I think their 82-pounder might have won it in their heavyweight. 
think took first or second. And then I think North Bay Haven had two kids there, two boys there. And I think one of their boys uh, took fourth in Greco. I think Bear Siegel took fourth at 152 Greco. So uh, these weren't the only two kids from Bay County to place. Uh, but for Bay High in particular, both of these students go to Bay High, which I also coach Bay. Um, you know, Devin and Sean were the first two Bay High students to qualify for Fargo since 1979. Uh, Mark Mulligan in 1979 won the freestyle state title, and his teammate Warren Belt took third that same year, and they both went on to compete at the Nationals, which at the time was in Iowa City, Iowa. Um, and, and since then, you know, Bay High's had 28 state medal winners on the FHSAA side and over 100 state qualifiers there, too. And, uh, you know, I, I won two of those state medals and had three of those state qualifications. And my dad, who's the head coach at Bay High, Mark Deaton, uh, was a state runner up. And him, me, none of the other 26 guys uh, that, that won medals and, and the other 100 qualifiers, none of, none of us made, uh, made Fargo. So that was a big deal for Bay High. Uh, Devin and Sean, to the best of my knowledge, are also the first two coastline kids to qualify for Fargo. Um, and I know on the coastline South Walton side, uh, Coach Travis Laxton has sent three kids, D1, and, and another couple few kids to smaller schools. And I don't think any of them made it to Fargo. So a big accomplishment for Coastline and Bay High, getting two kids through to Fargo. Um, now, I will mention, we had a kid last year that was a state runner-up on the FHSAA side, Derek Williams. And before he came to Bay High, he did qualify for Fargo. He wrestled in Fargo last year, but he qualified for Fargo as a Mosley wrestler um, and then came to Bay High after wrestling Fargo and then is back at Mosley now. So Derek's a brilliant wrestler, uh, but, you know, he wasn't there as a Bay High student. So just a big deal and, and uh, you know, really happy with those results, getting, getting uh, these eight kids down there and then getting, uh, getting a couple – you know, punching through to Fargo. We're actually going to take four to Fargo. We're going to take uh, Devin Bradshaw, Sean, Sean Sandage, David Drake, and Leo Sanchez. We're working right now. Coastline is to raise the money, and we think we need about $10,500 to take those four. So we're working to get that money up and get those boys to Fargo in July. All right. Well, let's talk the big question in North Florida. And I know, Zach, that, you know, you've been in this area just as long as I have beaten our head against the wall. You know, how do we grow freestyle and Greco wrestling in North Florida and get it to stick? Because it seems like a lot of the times, you know, there's sporadic bursts and then, you know, it's not the exact results initially. And then you know, the programs tend to just go back to folk style only. So, how can we start bringing back that culture that you were talking about in the seventies and eighties? Um, you know, Zach and, you know, Jason being an outsider, you know, what's your ideas on it? Yeah. Um, bringing it back, um, you know, Bay high wasn't the only team represented, uh, this week down in Tampa. Mosley had, Mosley had a bunch of kids. Mosley had like 11 kids, 12 kids, something like that. Uh, maybe more, uh, North Bay Haven. So it's it's not like we have to completely bring it back, but to get it to where it was back then, um, you know, back then it was when when Sean and Devin placed this past weekend, I started calling all the old Bay High coaches to see if anybody else had done it. And I ended up talking to Mark Mulligan, who sent me an article, uh, a News Herald article, 
from when he won it in 1979, and it's a super cool article. Uh, half the page is talking about Mark Mulligan and Warren Belt uh, placing at state, and then the other half of the page is talking about Coach Mulligan and how he takes a two-week trip to Ukraine uh, to, to study the international trades of, or international disciplines of wrestling is what it called it, which would be freestyling Greco. Um, so, you know, and then I know Coach Bob Hunt coached with Coach Mulligan a lot back then. Um, I've heard them tell stories of how they didn't have money, they didn't have booster club, they didn't have help. They just piled kids in their van and took them around the state of Florida wrestling and sometimes further. Um, and so to, to get back to that, you know, I think, I think the coaching is a big part of it. I think getting the, the coaches to buy into it is a big part of it. Um, getting the coaches who don't know freestyle and Greco, getting them uh, up to par on it. And, you know, we were talking off air, Jason and I, and I think, you know, before we got in the studio about how if we have freestyle and Greco tournaments, who's going to ref it? And we identified two or three refs that we've talked to that said that, you know, they'd be happy to ref it. And one that was down there at Fawa, that's a North Florida official, um, and and pointed out, you know, the the coaches, when, when we have these freestyle and Greco tournaments, aren't going to understand all the rules. I mean, wait till you see somebody put your kid in a full Nelson for the first time in Greco or try to figure out the difference between a, a slip and a catch for the first time, you know, little nuances about freestyle and Greco that are harder to understand. Um, so the coaches aren't going to be totally up to par. So why do the refs have to be, you know, we could all, we could all, you know, just get it going and learn it together. And um, I think what you'll see real quick is that it's a, it's a more fun, more entertaining style of wrestling. Uh, freestyle is. And uh, I think that you'll see people get more into it. I think you'll see, uh, people want to learn about it more, and I think that the culture will come along with it. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I mean, to answer your question, how do we grow it and how do we, you know, ensure that it kind of takes off? I think the answer is fairly simple. We need opportunity. Uh, you know, we as a club, I, I mentioned, delved into this whole freestyle thing just recently. We're in year, about to hit year five or the end of year five. Um, and we've never really wrestled it, not because I don't love it. It's I prefer it. It's my favorite style of the three, honestly. Um, but the reason we didn't is because there's just not a lot of opportunity around here for us to get the buy-in from parents to go travel to Miami or Orlando or Tampa every weekend for a competition. It's just not feasible, you know, between the time that it takes and, and the money and, and all that it's just much easier to find a local tournament within an hour if you're in Russell some folk style during the off season. So really the answer is opportunity. You need coaches like Zach and like others. You know, I know Marcello's jumped into freestyle. Niceville had, had done freestyle Fridays for a while there. We need opportunity from the tournament perspective. We need to have some tournaments in the area that, Kids can kind of learn this. I know where where I'm originally from, up in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, they did something really cool, and I think a lot of other states adopt this as well, but they did clinics at the beginning of every tournament. So for the first hour of the tournament, every competitor that was going to be competing learned what a gut wrench was, how to defend a gut wrench, how many points are scored from all these different positions, and they kind of gave you a crash course on what freestyle was, why it's important, 
all those different things. So I think the answer is having tournaments available in this area is going to drive that participation and growth. You know, well, I think the I think the key too is you know getting tournaments that they're going to get a couple matches where you know you're going to get ample opportunity to figure it out. Um, you know, just like the war zones. You know, if I feel like if it's just a regular tournament where you can go and get teched in like ten seconds and two matches, you know, someone gets a good shot and then leg laces you or gut wrenches you, you know, that's going to leave a sour. That did for me, you know. But then if you have something where, you know, at the end of the day, you can at least get one win. It's like, all right, cool. You know, this freestyle or Greco thing isn't that bad. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, it, it's really the transition from folk to free is very easy for some kids and it's very difficult for others. Um, I find that the older kids tend to have an easier transition over. Um, but I also find that it's really, really good for younger kids to, to learn. But kind of to your note, the mat time, we, we kind of, Zach and I spoke about coming up with a, a concept of during our spring series next year, perhaps adding a freestyle Greco event or two of a war zone style to just kind of introduce the area to it more. You know, there's, I think we counted seven clubs that were actively training. I know Gulf Coast and Wesley over there are into it as well. Um, it, it's just, I think the war zone concept for a freestyle event would be good because like you mentioned, you're not going to, you know, get taken down by a more experienced kid and then leg lace four times and like, oh, time to go home. I just lost in 15 seconds and I don't like this. Uh, you're going to get kids around your skill level that, kind of have the same freestyle background as you and you're going to get opportunities to score points and win some matches and kind of understand what freestyle is all about while also you know keeping with the warzone theme of four to six matches in two hours so it's in and out it's a bunch of quality matches and i think zach was talking about uh you know us two collaborating next year on trying to get one over at bay yeah so where where this came from where this i uh i did originally came from is you know, a couple months ago when we started freestyle at Coastline, um, we started looking for prep tournaments for Fawa, and the closest thing that we could find was Birmingham. Um, you know, a six-hour drive for a, a one-day tournament that probably is only going to last half the day. And, you know, freestyle matches, if you only have two or three kids in the bracket, is it really worth it? Um, you know, so we ended up doing a lot of live sparring in our own room and uh, – you know, seeing the same kids over and over to prep for these matches. And uh, so the way that it happened was that I called up uh, Jason uh, considering hosting a uh, a tournament the weekend before Fawa at Bay High, uh, and things didn't line up. We never got very far with it. Um, but when I called him, I thought things were going to line up, and I was asking him about how, you know, how, how would the Warzone software work with Freestyle and Greco? And by the time I got done talking to him, uh, he had taught me some stuff. And I think that uh, I think it's a killer idea. I think um, if you can, you know, what we're looking at is next spring, uh, starting in March, doing a uh, two-part Freestyle Greco Warzone two two tournament, and, and tying that into the series that he already does. Where if you want to be a top thirty place winner uh, with the the special awards that Jason gives out for that Warzone series. If you want to be one of the guys in the top 30, you have to have wrestled at least one freestyle or Greco event to, to do that. So to qualify, um, 
And, and I think that that alone will will get kids that wouldn't usually try it to try it. And I think once they try it, they'll like it. And uh, you know, I had a couple kids this weekend who who aren't who haven't wrestled a lot of freestyle and uh, got done with their matches. Uh, one in particular, it was about a, a one minute just whooping where he got taken down and and rolled five times in a, a lace and tech fall, you know, didn't take long at all. And he got off the mat. I don't like freestyle. I said, you like wrestling, don't you? And he said, yeah. I said, well, then you like freestyle. And, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. I do like it. I just got to get better at it, you know? And, uh, so I, I think, uh, freestyle wars on series would be awesome. I'm going to do whatever I can to support Jason. I know coach Laxton over at coastline South Walton, I'll do anything he can to support it. And, uh, and hopefully it grows. Well, we need a presence up here too, like someone that's running the events. I know Jason, you were talking with um, you know, JL, big uh big influencer in Fawa down south, you know, longtime friend of me and my dad. You know, he's always been active down south, but we need someone up north that's, you know, hustling just as much to make all these events happen, to link all these people up. Um, what's the state of that? Do you know? Yeah, so I had a uh, hour or so conversation with him, I want to say six months or so ago, uh, about him trying pretty, not desperately, but he, he's been trying for a good while here to get some freestyle presence and somebody to kind of step up and take a board role with USA Wrestling and somebody that desires to get freestyle in the area and really, you know, want to put on a couple qualifiers and and affiliate them through USA Wrestling and just kind of have the same presence up here that they do in Tampa and Orlando and Miami. You know, one of the big differences I saw in that Spartan tournament or in the Fowler State is those kids from Miami, some of the 10 and 11-year-olds have clearly been wrestling freestyle for three, four, five seasons. Like, they were doing things that you don't do in your first or second season of freestyle, just the transitions and you know, the upper body game that's developed and, you know, things that transfer over to folk style very, very well, they're picking up at an early age and they're doing it because they have the opportunity to compete a lot down there. Uh, and so what the what the panhandle really needs, because I think the freestyle and Greco participation is the next step in our kind of growth of this region, we really need somebody to step up and take that role and, you know, commit to two, three tournaments a year in freestyle between you know the Tallahassee and the uh, Panhandle area. Um, See, I'm glad you I'm glad you you know make that distinction too because Jacksonville has you know a couple wrestlers that are very outstanding in um, freestyle and Greco. You know Zach the Paradon, you know not a stranger name for us. You know with his brother wrestling over that Mosley, but they always do very well in the freestyle and Greco side. Freestyle predominantly, but you know they at least have. A presence there you know over here it's you know pretty much non-existent yeah i mean that's that's kind of putting the microscope even a little closer on the area you know comparing to something as close as jacksonville um and and again i'll repeat it um this area wasn't badly represented at fawa um i i talk about coastline and bay high because those are the those are the teams clubs that i'm affiliated with um, I coach for Coastline, I coach for Bay High, and, and I talk about my kids. And uh, But, I, you know, when I was down there, again, saw North Bay Haven kids, uh, at least two of them. Uh, saw 10 or 15 Mosley kids with, you know, two or three Mosley coaches down there. 
saw saw some folks from well trained. I uh, didn't get to talk to them very much because it was right in the heat of you know going from mat to mat. But I saw them there. I know they were represented uh, from over there in Pensacola. Um, and then you know you back up a couple years. Uh, I don't know how many years ago, but I know uh, Mosley had a, a girl Val Solario that won a Fargo title. Um, I don't know how many folks from Jacksonville have ever won a Fargo title, but that's a big deal. Um, and, you know, from right here in Panama now, I think she's moved back to Pennsylvania. Don't quote me on that, but um, still spent a good chunk of her high school career here. Um, and I mentioned Derek Williams earlier. Uh, no doubt in my mind, Derek would be going to Fargo this year too, had he not gotten an injury. Uh, but I, I think he didn't just go to Fargo last year. I think he wrestled on the on the Team Florida Duels team, which in order to do that, you have to place first in the Father Divine tournament. Second doesn't cut it. So, you know, he went and placed first in that tournament and, and made that team, I believe, last year. Uh, but again, as a Mosley student, not as a Bay student. Um, but, you talk, you know, you, you, you narrow it down to this area and, you know, what do we have to do to get to the size of, you know, or to the, to the strength of some of these other programs and, you know, I think if you look at any program, South Dade, uh, Brandon, uh, you know, Brandon has been a powerhouse in Florida forever. Um, and I know they're not as quite as good as they used to be, but they're coming uh, and they will be soon. And, you know, when I go back even to 20 years ago when I wrestled, uh, Brandon was crowning Fargo champs left and right with Rocky Cozart and Cesar Garjales and David Craig and all those guys. And, uh, you know, South Dade, um, you name the big programs, Palmetto Ridge, uh, Jesuit High School. That's a big one for me, up-and-coming Coach David Mason, and he's the Team Florida director. Uh, there's no coincidence that their high school team is getting a lot better. Um, you know, he's he's not just involved in freestyle. He's running the show from a Fawa standpoint as far as taking kids to, to Fargo. And, man, what an incredible coach, what an incredible product that he's putting out and it shows you step on the mat with a we ran into jesuit kids at every weight class that knocked us back you know uh, i know sean sean sandage lost to a jesuit kid david drake lost to a two-time state champ from jesuit and greco um devin bradshaw wrestled a jesuit kid so if you want to step up you've got to get on the level of those programs and what are they doing different than us and i think the big thing is freestyle and greco you know they do they do wrestle the other styles and what, what freestyle and Greco teaches you as it relates to folk style, especially about positioning, uh, and uh, which is something that we preach, is, is just invaluable. And I think if we want to grow it in this area, you know, uh, meaning Bay County to Pensacola, Tallahassee, uh, if we want to grow it in this area, we need to start with the coaches. Um, and, and it's not something that you easily pick up, but I mean, let's have a coaches clinic. Let's all get together and learn from each other. Uh, and then, you know, because I, I know that there's a ton that I can learn and, and vice versa from everybody around. And uh, I think it starts there. And I think it starts with a solid commitment from the coaches to give this a real try in our area. And, uh, you know, we spend a season or two doing it. And I think that it builds up. Absolutely. You know, I, I got one last thought that I want to sneak in here just because I think it's an important message to you know, parents, kids that are listening that don't know much about this. And I, I'd like to hear Zach's thoughts on this as well before you wrap up, if you don't mind. But 
the answer to the question that wasn't asked, why, why wrestle freestyle? Why, like, what is the point of even doing it? it? It's not folk style. It's not what we're winning state titles in. Like, what is the reasoning? In my mind, the reasoning to wrestle freestyle and Greco is to get onto a Fargo team. When you are 16U cadet or 18U junior, you have the opportunity to, to represent team Florida and get yourself out to Fargo, which is, in my opinion, the most important event of any kid's high school career. I was very, very fortunate to get on team uh, Pennsylvania four times and get that experience. I never all American. I, I won a fair number of matches up there, but to me, it was not even about the, the tournament itself, you know, in reflection upon those years, it was more about the experiences. You know, I, I roomed with a, a four time state champion. I, my practice partner beat the crap out of me left and right. The coaches I was blessed with, I got Ray Brinzer, who was a uh, multi-time national champion for Iowa. I got Lehigh's head coach one year. I had Lockhaven's head coach one year, different people from around the state step up. And I know here with team Florida, we've got uh, Mako down there, uh, down towards the south, along with you know a number of other really high level coaches that are kind of taking these teams for a week to two camp and putting the best kids with the the best wrestling skills and the best mentalities all together on the same team and you know you got a two week camp where you're learning from some of the best in the country and it is just an experience that money can't buy you have to you literally have to win a spot on the team. You got to place top four at the FAWA tournament, but I, I would value that camp alone at probably five grand. If you could buy it, it's, you know, you're getting all the best kids from around the state together. And as a wrestler that wants to get better at wrestling, you can't hurt yourself by putting yourself in the presence of, you know, NCAA champions and three or four time high school state champions here in Florida and all the national accolades they have. And then, you know, you get to Fargo and even, even if you go Owen two, which ideally you don't want to, but even if you go Owen two, the amount of future Olympic champions you see and the amount of kids that you watch on the big stage that go on to win three and four NCAA titles, it's, the best kids in the country are there. The best college coaches in the country are there. Uh, it is just a, an experience that you, money can't buy. And to get placed on one of those teams is the most important thing your child will ever do, it, in my opinion, in their high school career. You know, when you get that experience and then you come back and you wrestle random kids from North Florida, it, it feels a lot different. Um, so, in my mind, it's really, really important that kids learn this early so that when we get to the high school age, they are, you know, have three, four years of experience and they're primed and ready to go and ready to get placed on these Fargo teams because it's that important to me. Yeah, to, to answer Jason's question about Fargo, I mean, um, we think it's incredibly important. Um, we even dumb it down a little bit from there uh, and talking about the significance of wrestling at that tournament and then coming back to wrestle local regional events. Uh, we even dumb it down from there, the significance of wrestling at the Fawa State Championships and coming back and wrestling, you know, districts and regionals at, on the FHSAA side. And districts and regionals just don't seem as big. So incredibly important in my mind. I completely agree with everything Jason said to, to get these kids to Fargo. And, and, you know, as far as Greco and freestyle goes, you know, coastline, 
chooses to wrestle Greco and freestyle because of the significance of, at the next level. You know, I know NCAA only wrestles folk style, but, you know, if you look at the bigger programs, the better programs, you know, Penn State, uh, I think they've won 10 national titles since 2009. And, um, uh, then you turn around this year and they've got three of the 10 champions in the senior level U.S. Open are nitty line wrestlers. And, you know, no coincidence there. And I think I think when these kids, you know, get on a serious recruiting path, I think the question that they're going to be asked is how you did at Fargo. One of the many questions is how, how did you do at Fargo? And, yeah, I think it's important if you have a kid that's serious about wanting to get to the next level. And then I also think it's important if you have a kid that just wants to succeed at this level. You know, get yourself to the bigger events, get yourself to the bigger tournaments. And uh, when you come back to the to the events here that seem like a big deal, you know, they won't be as big. You know, um, you go to you go to Fawa States and you've got four, three, four five state champions in one bracket. And then you go to regionals. You may have a state champion if, the, if it's a tough bracket. So definitely think it's a, a great experience and, and agree with everything Jason said there. You know, not only that, too, it's, in my opinion, and I'm guessing you'll agree with this, I think it is way more fun to coach freestyle just because the scenarios that play themselves out and the way you can get cheap points in a lot of different places is it, there's just more creative creativity involved in it. Uh, and as a wrestler, it's a, such a nice break from the grind. You know, you can only do a double leg 10,000 times in practice before just – you might not say it, but mentally it gets a little bit boring to just monotonously continue to do the same thing over and over. So learning new things and kind of being able to implement, you know, different things into your wrestling, it, it opens the mind up and it, you know, makes it a little bit more fun to go to practice during the off season versus we're going to go do the exact same things we did all season long in folk style and wear our bodies down and all that. It's a nice little break from it. And, uh, Learning something new never hurt anybody. All right. Big thanks to Jason Westlager and Zachary Deaton for coming on the North Florida Wrestling Show's Open Mat. Let us know how you feel about this episode. What do you think we can do to grow freestyle and Greco wrestling in the North Florida area and in the Panhandle in particular? And if you'd like to be on the next edition of the North Florida Wrestling Show's Open Mat discussion, get at us at our Facebook or Instagram page. We'd love to have you on.